you and church family, you're finding the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, we begin to read in verse number 23 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll begin to read in verse number 23. We'll continue our study. We've begun several weeks ago in the book of Ephesians. This morning, we'll speak to you on this subject. Protecting your home. Protecting your home. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin to read in verse number 23. This morning, I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, begin to read in verse number 23. The Bible says these words, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another." Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your Spirit would speak to us, challenge us. God simply. Lord, we pray for the one who's never been saved, who might be here today. God, I pray your precious Holy Spirit will do the ministry that only he can do to convict of sin, Christ's righteousness, their need for it, and judgment that is to come upon them. God, we pray during time of invitation today, they'll choose to turn and open the door of their heart that Christ might come in and be Lord of their life. And Father, I pray you'll challenge every believer today. You really help us to take inventory where we are spiritually today in our walk with you? Do we stand in need of revival? Have we made our lives an open door to the devil to come and go as he pleases? God, again, we pray as we come to invitation, speak your will to our hearts. And God, I pray with brokenness today, God, we'll turn and we'll respond that we might receive your best for our life. Bless this time. We'll give you thanks for what you're going to do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I invite you to be seated. A website called alarms.org, alarms.org, uh, shared findings from a 2015 FBI crime report and stated that roughly 2.5 million burglaries uh, occur each year, 66% uh, of them uh, being home break-ins. And most of those uh, don't get up and leave, but they're between 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock uh, during the day. Uh, but that's what the FBI reported, uh, 2.5 million burglaries each year, and two-thirds of them were home break-ins. But in 2018, a group of security specialists uh, got together and released, uh, and they're common-sense things, but they listed five things, really, that they had learned from thieves, those who break into homes, five things every homeowner or renter should be aware of and address to help protect your home. Uh, five things that make your home, they released, more attractive to a thief to break into more than another. Number one, uh, it's, it's a place to hide, a place where they can find cover uh, from people who would drive by or someone looking through a window. Number two, they look for an empty property where someone isn't coming and going. It looks like there's no one there. Uh, number three, they look for easy access into the house, an open window, uh, a ladder, doors that are left open all the time. Number four, who would have thought this in the day in which we're living, but you can sure see it, social invitations through social media. Someone goes on vacation, you know, and then you just blow your Facebook account up with all these selfies of you on the beach. And so you're letting the whole world know, you know, that you're not in your house. And then number five, no visible security measures. Uh, it just looks like an easy house to break into. So what does this have to do uh, with protecting uh, your home spiritually? Well, in John chapter 14 and in verse number 23, Jesus said this, listen. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and the Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
But it is when you repent of your sin and you trust Christ to be Lord of your life, truly the Spirit of God comes to indwell your heart. Literally, your body becomes the home of God. In one of the verses that if you were in connection class this morning, you saw it, it's, it's, it can be rightly used for uh, an evangelistic invitation. But remember that this letter was to the church of Laodicea. It was to the church. It's to those who had put Jesus on the outside of the home. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door, literally the door of your life, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. And so Paul's writing this morning to remind the church at Ephesus and also us that as a spiritual homeowner, if you've been saved, say amen. You're a spiritual homeowner. Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, lives in your heart. As a spiritual homeowner, you need to be aware that Satan wants to break into your spiritual home. Friend, he wants to take up residency. He wants to have influence on your life. And so Paul shares four things that you can do to help protect your home. Number one, uh, be recognizant of your enemy. Number one, be recognizant of your enemy. Now, we're talking about recognizant. We're, we're saying be mindful. Be mindful of your enemy. Now, listen to me. Don't take my word for it. Now, when I'm preaching sometimes, so I'm just sitting there with your arms folded and stare at me. You don't need to take my word. Look at the Bible that's in front of you. I want you to see what God has to say from his word to you. So in Ephesians 4, look at verse number 27, uh, where Paul says, Nor give place to the devil. That's the enemy. That's the one that wants to break into your life and into your home. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what Satan wants to do. The thief comes. That's what Satan wants to do in your life. He wants to steal your joy, steal your testimony, kill your joy, kill your testimony, and destroy your spiritual life. That's, that's his desire for you. He's, he's the enemy. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, and in verse number 3, the Bible says, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. That's Satan. He's not your friend. He's not your pal. Uh, we, we saw a show just in passing and left it when we saw it, but, but it had the felt they were going to some kind of party, and there was a, a man who was dressed up in a devil outfit, you know, with red horns and a little pointed, and they were, they were making fun, you know, poking fun of the devil as if he's just some little creature. No, friend, listen. He, the devil wants to destroy your life. He has no good intent for you, and the Bible calls him an evil one. He's, he is your enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5, and in verse number 8, Peter says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, literally it's the one who's against you spiritually. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever watched one of those National Geographic shows and you see the young little gazelle there, and it's just enjoying the day, you know, out there on the African plain. And then a mother lion comes up and begins just to lick him on the back of the ears and nuzzle him and just to share her love. Do you ever see that? No. When you see it, she's got him by the neck and she's slinging him like a rag doll and ripping his guts out so she can eat him. That's what a lion does to its prey. And friend, listen, that's what Satan wants to do to you. But what he's done in this day, friend, is to, is to lull Christians to, to what the church did in Laodicea and to this apathetic, indifferent, whatever state that you think that your possessions and your goods and, and your positions that you've acclaimed to in life, that they're going to be able to protect you from his influence over your life. And friend, they can't. He is your enemy. And so if you're going to protect your home, you, you've got to be mindful that you have an enemy every day who's against you, who's against your life. Parents, he wants to steal your children's souls. He wants to steal their joy and any, any life that God can ever build through them. He's, he's an enemy. And so naming your enemy keeps you mindful of his capabilities and intent. I know we're living in the day of political correctness. You know, nobody wants to call you know, a skunk, a skunk anymore. You know, it's, it's you know, a, a cat-like creature that, you know, was plagued somehow because it didn't have the right leg up that everyone else did with odor. You know, but a skunk's a skunk. 
And friend, listen, your enemy is your enemy. And that's what Satan is. And you, the first step, friend, is you've got to be mindful of that. Don't be casual about the devil. And I'm thankful that 1 John 4, 4, it shares a great truth. Where John says, you are of God, little children. You've overcome the things of the, the, the spiritual world that's against you. It says, because, and this is a great truth, listen, because he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. The Holy Spirit who lives within you is greater than he who's in the world, and that's the devil. But listen to me. The devil's greater than you. He's not greater than the Holy Spirit. He's not greater than Jesus. He's not greater than God, but he's stronger than you are. And you better realize that. And so you better be, you better be mindful you better be recognizant of the fact that you have an enemy who's against you, who's against your family and church family, though we're enjoying days of greatness in the life of this church and really a spirit of revival. There's an enemy that's outside right now pacing around this parking lot. As a matter of fact, he's probably sitting on your pew somewhere this morning. If you're lost, he doesn't want you to be saved. If you've got an open door, he's already camped out. All he wants you to do is think about, you know, what's in the crock pot. He doesn't want you to hear what God needs you to hear today that His best might be accomplished in your life. He doesn't want you to get up every morning and read God's Word. He wants you to sleep in because you had a hard day yesterday and really what you need is, is a little more sleep. He doesn't want you to come back tonight to discipleship. He doesn't want you to bring your children back to discipleship so your church family can help sow the Word of God into their life. He doesn't want you to come on Wednesday night. And have your children under the teaching of God's Word, your youth under the teaching of God's Word, and yourself under the teaching of God's Word. He doesn't want that. You better be mindful you have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's the devil. If you're going to protect your home, you must be recognizant of your enemy. Number two, you must be repentant of existing sin. That's what Paul was sharing with this church. They had to be repentant of existing sin that was in their life. Look, look what the Bible says in verse number 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. He says, therefore, putting away, and then he names a sin, lying. He's going to go on to name several other sins. But he gives instruction regarding what they're to do with that. He says they're, they're to put this sin away from their life. He says if, if, if your life has been marked, he leads off first by lying. He says you're, you're to put this sin away. Now remember the three C's of repentance. It's to concur, confess, and then change. You must agree with God. The Word of God says you're sinning. The Holy Spirit says that's a sin in your life. It's there. Then you've got to confess that in turning from it, and then there must be change as a result of turning away from that. Romans chapter 13, and in verse number 12, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Listen, he says, therefore let us cast off the works of of darkness. It's the same word in the Greek that we see in verse number 25, uh, this, this conjunction of putting away, to cast off. It's just to, to not let it be a part of your life anymore. You see, when I go home after lunch, I'm going to cast off this jacket. But listen, I have every intent in about four or five Sundays of putting it back on again. I'm not going to throw it in the trash can. It's on the rotation. But you can't treat sin that way. But a lot of people do. God, I'm going to cast it off today because I feel burdened. Now I'm going to pick it back up when I go on vacation. When Friday night comes, God, I'm going to pick it back up because there's some drinking games to play with the buddies. Well, now, God, I'm going to have to cheat a little bit to get that extra dollar, so I'll pick it back up then. No, friend, what the Bible says here, when true repentance takes place, the intent of the heart is to do away with it. It's, it's, it's the same thought, friend, of when a man and a woman commit themselves together to be engaged. Ladies, don't you hope that your engagee throws their black book away with all the girls' names that he was courting along with you before he asked you to marry him? Hello? Not holds it well, just in case it doesn't work out, I'll put it under the mattress. No, friend, when you put it away... You put it away never to pick it up anymore. That's the intent of the heart. He says, if you're going to protect your home from Satan, you must truly be repentant of existing sin. Any unrepented sin, friend, listen, it hinders 
and it halts spiritual growth in your life. Two verses. Listen, we say a lot, there's a lot of foundational verses in discipleship. Two we talk about all the time around here. Psalm 66, verse 18, Isaiah 59, 2. Psalm 66, verse 18, if you have unrepented sin in your heart, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Bible says, God says, I'll not hear you. Your prayer life is hindered. Your spiritual life, your spiritual growth, your spiritual development, what God desires to do in your life, it's stunted because you're dirty. Your, your house is dirty. You've got unrepented sin, and until you deal with that, friend, God's not going to work in your life spiritually. Your, your spiritual life has been hindered, and it's been halted. But listen, there's a second thing that happens. It also provides an opportunity for Satan to have further negative spiritual impact on your life. Look at verse number 27 of Ephesians chapter 4. He says, nor give place to the devil. When you have unrepented sin in your life, listen to me, you, you, you put a shelf, literally, or a seat in your house that gives Satan the opportunity to come in and sit on. You give him a little table in the corner of the room. And before you know it, friend, he makes that a kitchenette. And then he turns his sleeping bag into a bed. And before you know it, Satan has set up residency in your life. What started with just a small little unrepented sin now has developed into a habit. And then another sin ties to that. And that's why Paul says, don't give any opportunity for Satan to take up residency in your life. And that's what unrepented sin does. And so he begins to name Five sins specifically that he was concerned about through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for this church at Ephesus. Let's look at them together. Verse number 25, he says, And putting away lying. That's, that's the absence of truth. Paul says that that's got to be put away from you. And you know, we, we measure those today by which just a little white lie. No, friend, a lie's a lie. And so our speech is to be grounded in truth. Because God's word is grounded in truth. John 17, 17, your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. And so if we're to have the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, 5, in all things, then our speech, our writing, the intent of our heart that shared our communication, it must be grounded in truth. We're to put lying away from us. Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The second sin that he names is that of, of anger. Look at verse number 26. Now we're going to develop it. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. This is anger that's not given over to Christ. Now the Bible's not saying, friend, if you get angry about something that, that you're in sin. It's when you don't give that anger over to Christ. Now listen, three texts I'll give you to write down. We're not going to read them. Psalm 2, verse 12. Mark chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5, and John chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. We see examples of the righteous indignation of Christ against sin. And you ought to be angry about sin. I'm amazed sometimes with things people do get angry at in the local church. They really don't have anything to do with anything that affects the eternal work of God. Sometimes it's just utter foolishness. And I'm not going to start naming them, but I, I'm just amazed. But I've shared with you before, rarely, I, all the years I've been in ministry, I've never seen anybody come stomping mad, fuming mad at the end of church and say, Brother I'm just so mad nobody got saved today. Brother I'm just so upset. We're not seeing the volunteers for the nursery. We prayed that God would fill our church with children. We haven't seen the volunteers that we really need. I'm so angry. Haven't heard that. But I'm so upset there's not more youth than the youth ministry. We've got to reach these kids for Christ. No righteous indignation. But I'm so upset there's so many churches that are teaching Calvinism today. That God sent his son to die just for a few people that he chose. I'm so upset. You don't see that anger. But they let somebody sit on your pew or move the coffee pot in the Sunday school room. the things that we get mad about in the world. Friend, listen, and you should be concerned about the political state of our country, but friend, I want to remind you, God is not dead. He's still on the throne. 
If the other party was in there, it'd still be just as foul as it is right now. It may not be going the direction it is, but they're both wicked to the core. So those of you that get just so upset about political things, and I hate these people and frowning face and all this stuff, man, listen, you are killing your testimony posting those foolish statements online. You're killing your testimony. You're just killing it. Be angry, but give that to God. If you don't give that anger to God and say, Lord, you're in charge. You know what's best. You handle this situation. I'm giving this person, this family, this political party, this country, this president, this leader, this teacher, this boss, this coworker, this neighbor. I'm giving them to you. Your will be done in their life. And might they see the love of Christ in my life and how I speak and deal with them. If you don't do that, then, friend, it turns, into, it turns into wrath. And that leads you third to the next sin he talks about, and that's bitterness. Look at verse number 31. He says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Anger not given to Christ roots into our lives as bitterness. Now, it started because you got angry. It may have been the right thing to be angry about. For example, listen you, could, you should be angry over abortion in this country. But if that leads, friend, where you go build a pipe bomb in your basement and go blow up an abortion clinic, that's sin. That's sin. That led to bitterness. You should be angry. You should pray. And more than that, friend, y'all get out on the streets and share the gospel because the gospel is the only thing that will kill the abortion industry. That's the only thing. It's not legislation. Let me tell you something. I wish it was illegal, and I pray that it is illegal. But they'll just do it in a dark alley somewhere. But the gospel changes men and women's hearts. And so when that anger is not given to God, it roots into bitterness. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 15. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now listen. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many people come defiled. If you don't give your anger over to God that you have with certain situations and certain people, listen to me. Satan will take that anger. He will plant it into your heart. And out of your heart, for now the cracks of it, will root and will grow bitterness. It'll root. Where before it was just a seed, now it's rooted down inside your heart. You know, everybody in here probably has got a weed eater, a weed whacker of some kind at your house. And you know, and you go down the sidewalk and you knock those weeds off right at the edge. Well, guess what happens in two or three days? It grows right back. The only way to kill a weed, friend, is to pull it up by the roots. And the only way, friend, that you can deal with bitterness is to give that, your heart wholly over to Christ and say, God, go in there, and I don't mean cut the tops off, but jerk out everything that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. And there's no bitterness in the life of Christ. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. We need to be reminded, friend, look at me this morning. Every person that you see, and on the news as well, every person you lay your eyes on is a soul for whom the Lord Jesus Christ died. And if Christ will come be Lord of their life, they'll be changed. They'll be different, just as there was in your life. Well, the next sin that he talks about needs to be put away is that of stealing. Look what the Bible says in verse number 28. He says, let him who stole... Steal no longer. Says we're not to, listen, when you steal, you're being just like the devil. John 10, 10. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. We're going to look at things to do in order to get what you do need. Paul gives that. But friend, listen, you're not to take what doesn't belong to you. Be it supplies from work, things off the shelf, whatever it is. Stealing is stealing. I'll tell you one of the things that's popped up in the day in which we're living. Who would ever thought it would be in is the sharing of login IDs and passwords. Now, when you sign up for maybe some kind of viewing subscription or any kind of subscription, 
When you have to create an account and you put your ID there, and then there's a password, there'll be a long list of stuff that's so small you've got to get a microscope to read. And it's about 12 pages, and you've got to scroll all the way down through it. And then you've got to put a check mark in a little box that says you agree to the terms and conditions, and then you sign up for that subscription service. One of the things that you sign up for that subscription service is it's for you and your household. And so when you take that login information and that password and you share it with one of your best friends who's not paying for it monthly, you're stealing. And what you're doing is you're teaching your children to steal. And people laugh and joke about it. Well, here, here's our login ID and here's our password. That's stealing. When you sign in, friend, for whatever it is that you've paid for, it's for you and for your household. And so you're stealing money from the families that are supported by whatever business it was that you subscribed for. And you say, well, you know, Brother Chad, that's just such a, a little thing. It's, it's not like we're robbing a bank or anything. You know, it's just, it's really, it's really not that big of a deal. Well, well, listen to what the Bible has to say about it. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, listen to what the Bible says. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Now listen. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. What's, and, and, and can I just share with you? That's in red right there. Who said that? Who? Listen to what Jesus said again. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is, and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. And so what you consider little you know, in offense, God considers big. And so the encouragement of the Apostle Paul is stop stealing whatever it is, cable, internet, whatever it is. Acquire what you need by the terms and agreements of the one who's offering the provision. Pay for it, however they say. And to do otherwise, friend, is, is stealing, and it's wrong. But, but notice what the Bible says again. He says, no longer. Stop doing it. Verse number 28, let him who stole steal no longer. What's the plain English of that? Stop doing it. Don't let that be your testimony. But not only that, the next sin he speaks of is, is foul language. Verse number 29, he says, let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, don't you listen to me. Words can be like a hammer. A hammer in the hands of a wise carpenter can build a useful thing. But a hammer in someone who doesn't know, friend, can destroy something in a second. You can build a house with a hammer, or you can tear one down in a second. And words are the same way. Listen, you can build people up with words, or you can absolutely destroy them for a lifetime. And so Paul says, let, let the words that proceed from our mouths impart grace to the hearers. Let them build people up. Now I hear people all the time say, well, you know, that word just kind of slipped out. I don't, I, don't know where that, I don't know where those words came from. That's, that's not really who I am. It doesn't, you, see, you see politicians, especially in the day in which we're living, when people talk through their thumbs. And young people, I want to remind you, listen to me. Everybody look up here at me. If you've got any form of social media, it's like a tattoo. You're going to have it forever. Once you hit send, it's on the wall. And you can come back like all these people that are trying to get confirmed all this stuff. Well, that doesn't really reflect who I was then as a person. Yes, it does. That's why you hit send. It does reflect. Don't you listen to me. The Bible says when you and I speak, it reflects truly who we are. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6. And verse number 45. And again, this is written in red. Jesus says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Now listen, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you run a bucket down in a well, when you bring the bucket up, guess what? What's in the well is going to be in the bucket. And what comes out of your mouth, look at me, in the form of speech, and what comes through your little fingertips in the day, who would have ever thought preachers would be sharing this? But what comes through your fingertips in your speech, it came from right there. It came from right there, from the abundance of the heart, 
The mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. And so Paul says, don't, don't be given over to all of these sins. He says, you, you need to be clean. You need to be repent. If you want to protect your home, look at me. If you want to protect your spiritual home, you need to be repentant of existing sin. And number three, be revived in spirit. Be revived in spirit. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 23. He says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, that word renewed is our good southern word, revival. He says, be revived. I want to remind you, friend, revival is not something you put on the calendar in spring and fall. It's a state of spiritual life. When someone is fainted spiritually, what they need is revival. And Paul says, if you've yielded yourself to these sins, if Satan has taken up a home in your heart and has influence over your life spiritually, he says, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Look at verse number 24. He says, and you need to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You need to be the person that Christ wants to be through you. You need to be clothed in his righteousness and in his righteousness alone. Again, Romans chapter 13 and verse number 12. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in verse number 11. He says, and do this knowing that the time is now. It's now high time to wake out of sleep. He says, for, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What's he talking about? He's talking about the rapture of the church. He says, we're, we're nearer to Christ coming than we were yesterday. And if God gives us another day, we'll be closer tomorrow. He says, it's time to, to wake up, to shake, out, to shake off the spiritual grogginess. Verse 12, for the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What's he saying? Be revived. If you want to keep Satan out of your life, out of your spiritual home, he says, walk daily in revival. Walk in the man that Christ wants to be through you. And so he gives some practical instruction here in how to deal with all of these sins. Verse number 25, instead of lying, look at verse 25, leads one of you speak truth with his neighbor. If you don't want to lie, just tell the truth. You say, well, I wish we could have a 10-week course on how not to lie. Listen, I'll give it to you in five seconds. Look at me. Tell the truth. The end. Just tell the truth. That's all you have to do. If you don't want to be a liar, tell the truth. No matter the consequence, just tell the truth. And so he continues to say, uh, verse number 31, he says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. Put it away from your life. He says, well, you, just, you don't understand what they did. And I'm just so hurt. Friend, I don't. And I don't make light of it. But I'm telling you, when you yield yourself to anger which turns into bitterness, you become a prisoner to the person that hurts you. And forgiveness is not approval. Look at me. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Forgiveness is not approval. Just because you forgive someone doesn't approve what, you, what they did to you. But you can forgive them so you're not held captive by the bitterness that's resulted from the anger that you have with that. And so the Apostle Paul says, if you want to be revived in spirit, you've got to put away all those things. Put away bitterness. Put away anger. Put away clamor. Put away evil speaking. Can I say this too, friend? Listen, quit if, if you've buried it, quit digging it up and playing with it. You know, it's like a little boy that keeps digging up his dead puppy just to see it one more time. Listen, when you cover the puppy, walk away and don't come back. Rover is dead. And friend, if you've put sin away, leave it buried. Well, did you not hear what, what they did to me? Yes, 50 times I've heard. Bury it. Give it to God, friend. Listen, every time you dig it up, you, you open those wounds up again. And you give Satan the opportunity just to make you mad and ticked off at that person one more time. And that leads to bitterness. Put it away. And give that person to Jesus Christ. Verse number 28. He says, stop stealing. He says, if you want something, look what the Bible says in verse number 28. Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. And I know that's difficult because, listen, we're living in a country where you don't have to labor. The government will just give you everything. But that's Antichrist's kingdom. That's Antichrist's kingdom. The seeds of Antichrist, friend, listen to me. They're not in a shot. Hello? The seeds of Antichrist aren't in a shot. 
It's spiritual. It's already at work in the world. You don't get the mark of the beast, friend, by taking the shot. And I want to tell you something. If you're worried about getting the mark of the beast, you've got bigger things to worry about because you got left behind. That's after the rapture. That's after the rapture. But if you want something, work for it. If you want, if you want a subscription, TV subscription like your friend, then get your card out and you get your own. If you want bread, pay for it. You want the racers at work, go to Walmart and buy some just like them. But stop stealing. He says, let him... Who stole still no more? Let him labor, working with his hands for what is good, that we may have something to give him who has need. Why? So we can love our neighbors ourselves. We can help those that don't have. Listen, there's some that need help. They're trying to work, but they still have needs, and that's where we help meet those needs. And we're all about meeting needs in the church. Won't you look at me? We're not going to cripple people, though, to become dependent. We want to help people to help themselves. We want to give people a hand up. We don't cripple people like the government. There are good programs that are designed to help people who have fallen down on hard times. But those programs, biblically, friend, biblically shouldn't be there to cripple people that they don't work. I mean, the Bible says a man won't provide for his own family. He's worse than the infidel. Apostle Paul is pretty plain that if you don't work, you don't eat. So it says, let him, let him work. Work hard for the things that you want. And, and, and also, just, just do, do what is good. Look at verse number 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but, but what is good for necessary edification. Kind words, words that build up, not words that, that tear down. Verse 32, be kind to one another. Just be nice. I've said this so many times, but I want to encourage you again. For, listen, the, 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 the lady at Walmart that's checking out, she is not your enemy. Those of you that are, you know, start eating out again, the waitress is not your enemy. Okay? You don't like the way they serve? Don't go back. But don't take it out on the waitress. This is the hottest tea I've ever had. I'll tell you some talking to people at restaurants. Some of the biggest jerks that go to restaurants are church folk on Sunday right after church. That's what you find out talking to them. Well, I just let them have a peace of my mind. You sure did. Your carnal, Satan-controlled mind. That's what you let them have. You ended up on their prayer list. Boy, I, somebody talked to me that we need to pray for their salvation. I heard they go to Greenwood. Oh, great. I'm glad everybody knows that. Listen, if you're going to act like that, pull off any tag on your cart that says Greenwood. Don't tell anybody. You go to Greenwood. Matter of fact, well, I won't even say that, but... Be kind. Just be nice to people. Just be nice. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Listen, friend, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live within your heart. And when you sin, you make him grumpy. And he's going to let you know for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. I want you to look up here at me. Look at me. If you can do any of these sins, now this is an exhaustive list. But it's once that Paul named. If you can do any of these, and you say, well, I just don't have a problem with it, you've never been saved. You've never been saved. If you can sin and you don't feel the convicting hand of God weighing down on your life, you may have a good dose of religion. You may know every shape note song there's ever been. You may know all kinds of things about the church, man, but you've never been saved. Because when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're going to know it immediately. It's almost a time of mourning. You're David says, your hand was heavy upon me day and night. It'll affect you not only mentally, spiritually, but it'll affect you physically. So be revived in spirit if you want to keep Satan out of your life. One chapter over, 18 verses down. Do not be drunk with wine or excess. Here it is. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God control you every day. Walk in revival. And number four, if you want to protect your home, be resistant to the enemy. Be resistant. Verse number 27. Nor give place to the devil. Look up here at me. Very simply. Don't let him into your home. If you want to keep the devil out of your spiritual home, say amen. You ready? Don't let him in then. Don't let him in. You say, well, it's just not that 
easy, Brother Ted. It's not that simple. Apostle Paul says in the book of Philippians, I can do through Christ who strengthens me. It's not through your power. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Three things, friend, you can do to keep Satan out of your house as it comes to being resistant to the enemy. Three things. Number one, watch. Be watchful. The soldier that just lolly... And friend, again, we're going to see in a couple weeks, two chapters over, the soldier that just lollygags along, think about mom, and it's a hard day, and life's so hard, and all this... Friend, listen, you are easy prey for the enemy. You've got to be watchful. Every day, friend, that you get up, you're in a battle. You're in war. You have an enemy who's against your soul. We've been given an armament that we will look. Again, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I've never been to Africa. But friend, I promise you this. If they dropped me off in the middle of one of those prayers where they film those National Geographic shows, I'd be watchful. I, would, I wouldn't see anything. I wouldn't see a plant. I wouldn't see a sunrise. All I'd be doing is looking for things that had teeth bigger than I do. Every day, friend, when you wake up to the time you lay your head on your pillow to go nighty-night, you better be watchful because Satan's trying to... Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And how sad, friend, even right now, brother, there's someone here, a mom or a dad, you've got a snake in your garden and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field the Lord God created. That's how Satan made it into Eden. Subtility. You better be watchful. Number two, withstand. When Satan begins to tempt you, you've got to withstand him. James chapter 4 and verse number 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee with you. Don't be like, we shared this illustration before, but, you know, like the woman in the old cowboy movies who knew she needed to tell the cowboy she didn't want to be kissed, but really she did. And she said, you know, I don't want to be kissed. You know, Stop. That's the way a lot of people are with the devil. I, I know I don't need to do this, but Satan, here we go. Lock hands. Let's go. Here we go. No, friend, if you want to be resistant, if you want to keep Satan out of your life, if you want to be resistant to the enemy, you've got to withstand him. Say, no, you're not getting into my heart. You're not getting into my life. And I want to teach dads, moms, you say, grandparents, you're not, you're not getting into the lives of our children. You may when they're 18, but you're not going to do it on our watch. We're going to cut the head of the snake off. We're on guard. We're going to withstand. And then last, you must withdraw. Watch, withstand, and withdraw. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13. What a great verse. No temptation has overtaken you except as such is common to all men. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Here it is. And will make with the temptation also a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God's always going to give you an out. The little gazelle on the prairie, he didn't always have a way out. He didn't have a way out. But you'll always have a way out when Satan comes against you. If you'll be watchful, you'll withstand, and then you'll withdraw, friend. You'll have a way of escape. You remember when Joseph was in Mrs. Potiphar's house and everybody had been gone? Mrs. Potiphar came and she said, Hey, Joe. Joe. Everybody's gone. You're so handsome, Joe. Come here, Joe. Pucker up and give me some sugar. Joseph remembered that Mrs. Potiphar was Mr. Potiphar's wife. And so because of that, by covenant marriage, she belonged to him. And it would be a sin against his God to do any of the things that she wanted to. You remember what happened? You know what most Baptists would have done? Then Mrs. Potiphar, let's kneel down here by the bed and have a word of prayer. How about that? No, friend, you remember what he did? He withdrew himself. He ran. He ran. When Satan tempts you, friend, flee that place. It really comes down to two, two things you're either going to tell the devil when he comes knocking at your life. Number one, you're going to have this. You know, we're living in the day, you know, this farmhouse. Everybody's got all these rotten fence posts on the front of their house, and they all say welcome on the front. I keep waiting for one that says, go away, get off my porch. But, you know, they'll say, welcome. You know, half the people don't mean that. But listen, when Satan knocks on your house, listen, friend, you've got to tell him, you're not getting in this house. 
That's going to be your response. Says, hey, I want to come into your house. I want to come into the home of your life. You're not getting in. By the grace of God, now you're out. I once was blind, now I see. We're not going back to the old way because Christ has set me free. If you don't want Satan in your life, friend, that's got to be your attitude. You're not getting in here. Just the same as if someone tried to force themselves through your door. You say, well, can I help you? I'd like to rob your house. Well, come on in. You wouldn't be that way. You're saying, you're not getting in. You're not coming in. If you don't say that by default, listen to me, by default, what you're saying is, well, Satan, welcome. Welcome, Satan. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Change the way I look at the world. Change the way I speak. Change my priorities. Change the way I look at everything to the way that you think. Satan, Satan, come on, come on in. If you don't have that attitude of you're not getting in here by default, that's your response. Friend, you're not going to be able to protect your home, and Satan's going to come up and take residency. And I'm glad John 3.16, for God so loved the world, gave his own begotten son, whosoever believed him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You can't lose your salvation, but I promise you this, friend, you can lose your newness, and you can lose intimacy with God by allowing Satan to take up residency in your life. Have an attitude today that you're not going to do that. Not on your watch and not through the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan is not welcome in this home. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. No packing up. Be still, won't you? The only people that are moving are instrumentalists. I want to ask you three questions. For those of you who have turned and trusted Christ, there's been a day when you've invited him into your heart to be Lord of your life. Is there an open door in your life right now? Spiritually, is there an open door? Be honest. The Spirit of God's shining on it right now. If you're not reading your Bible every morning and spending time in prayer, you've got an open door in your life. If you're not seizing every opportunity to be a part of the ministries of this church that are here to help equip you to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, you're leaving an open door. If you have worldly influences in your home through television, through media, through song, through periodicals, through books that you read, you've got an open door right now for Satan to come into your life. Why don't you just give all of those to Jesus and let him lock, seal your house up spiritually today. Seal it up. I'm going to ask you another question. You've got an open door, but has the enemy taken up residency? Be honest. Has he taken up residency? Has your speech changed? Have your priorities completely changed now as a result of that door that's been open for a while? What you need is revival, friend. You need his fresh touch upon your life. Does Jesus truly still have more influence over you than Satan in the world? Then just confess that to him now and experience his reviving touch while he seals up your life spiritually and slams the door on all the influences of Satan. Pray just like this. Jesus, thank you for the day that you saved me. I remember the moment when you came to live in my heart. When you became Lord of my life. You took up residency in me. But God, I've, I've left the door open through neglect. Spiritual neglect through little things. And maybe even now, God, Satan's got influence. He's taken up residency in my life. Their speech patterns, conduct, the way I look at life, it doesn't reflect you and your word and your righteousness. It looks like the world. It looks like the devil. And I'm confessing that and I'm turning from it. Jesus, I want you to seal my life up. I hear your knock, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And I'm opening the door. I want you to come in and have fellowship. Run the devil out. Run the influence of the world that I repent of all that sin. Revive me touch me. Come live in my heart afresh and anew today. Take up residency again as Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to come live in your heart, that's the need that you have. You don't need to join the church. You don't need to be baptized. The need you have, friend, is to be born again. You need to choose today for the first time ever to turn from sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life on the basis of what he did for you on the cross. He died in your place in agony and shame because of the wages of sin is death. He rose from the grave and that life that he has, that resurrection life, 
He wants to give to you today if you'll only turn and trust Him. He wants to come live in your heart and be Lord of your life. Just invite Him right now. Just like this, where you sit. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn from it. I believe you died for me. Come live in my heart. Be Lord of my life. Change me. Make me into the person you want me to be. That's my confession today. Father, we're so thankful that truly greater are you than he who is within the world. And Father, I pray that we'll yield ourselves and give ourselves and depend upon that power that can only be found through a personal relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, there are many needs represented in this place. You know each individual one. I pray your Holy Spirit will challenge us, speak to us, and God will bow our will to yours that your best might be done in our life now. Protect our spiritual home, God. That's our prayer. Fresh and anew, we give ourselves to you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are bowed.